You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 31 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in my kitchen studio this week, as always, is my co-host Simon Waltorton. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. Uh, it's been an eventful day. I've had uh, dinner around... Uh uh, Carlos's his uh, wife uh, made me a lovely uh, snack, or should I say, a full, full uh, meal um, with a small glass of red <laughs> wine and all the trimmings and salad and and you've everything been, else. You've been really, you've been, been well spoiled. and truly spoiled. God, this evening, I have. I'm just, yeah. I can have. I can get used to this coming around here. I ain't got no hurry whatsoever to do anything else apart from podcasting at the moment. Oh, so as we record this episode, then episode thirty-one, it is the tenth of September. And uh, the time is 10 to 9 in the evening. Bit of a late one, It's a bit of a late one. It's a bit of a dark one. The nights are pulling in uh, as as we speak. Um, You've had uh, an enjoyable day. You've been uh, flying. Yes, I have. I'm running a bit late this evening, hence the reason we're recording quite late. I had uh, another flying lesson this afternoon at... the fabulous flying school rain air at Ella in Beckles, and uh, I had a lesson uh, with my uh, my instructor Malcolm, and uh, he uh, he uh, took me up today in the uh, Cessna 150, and where uh, we flew out over the coast and done some uh, rather interesting stalls, and uh, also uh, some uh, some a bit of sightseeing as well, really, because the, the view up there, Simon, is so yes, good. a little bit um, hazy and overcast today, but I'm sure it was enjoyable. And uh, you've got to tell us about the um, um, seething air show. Yes, I've got uh, got some info on the seething air show that uh, I went to uh, this weekend, just gone, and uh, I've got two great interviews there, uh, which we're going to play for you later on in the show. And we'll have a little chat about what uh, what was there at the uh, at the Seething Air Show. So, Simon, what have you been up to then? Uh, um, just uh, been moving uh, stuff from uh, storage back home and uh, a few other things. Um, I've been working uh, quite a lot, uh, extra days. But we've got some um, a few nice topics, as always, to talk about. Um, we've got the Duxford uh, Air Show this weekend. We've got some stock press news, which we'll give you an update shortly. We have some awesome news. And um, also, um, hopefully, I'll be going to the Southport Air Show in, uh, I think it's about the 20th of this month. Uh, we're going on the Sunday. I may take the children. I um, haven't decided exactly yet. Um, but also, I've just found some uh, news, um, which David Harris has actually uh, sent me, and it's on the Biggin Hill 2015 Air Show. They've uh, applied for some aircraft already, um, so that's looking very uh, interesting, and I think uh, if that's the case, uh, Biggin Hill's on uh, next season. Uh, we'll be going, Carlos. Oh, definitely. That was great. We enjoyed that this yeah, year. Yes, so I love the Biggin, uh, Biggin Hill, really because it's a nice little family uh, airport, isn't it? A uh, private airport, and... Um, Lots of nice uh, aircraft to see flying in and out of there, as well as all the uh, usual air, air show um, circuit uh, aircraft there. Um, but as we speak, we're uh, drawing fast to a close on the air shows, so get your air shows in for the next few weeks as we speak. Um, and I've just noticed, Carlos has uh, given me an update on this about the uh, normal October air show at Duxford. There is no um, listing for this, so I don't know whether it's actually taking place, but we will uh, dig deeper into this to find out more because many uh, years, including last year, oh, we have done the uh, October air show at um, Duxford, 
Um, but it's not showing, as I said. So um, we'll look into that. And uh, I think it's time to crack on with the show, Carlos. Yes, certainly is. We're uh, going to kick off the show, as we always do each week, uh, with our rundown of the aviation news and airline and airport news from around the UK and the world. So if you're ready, Simon. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first piece of news then, uh, this one is on the evening Manchester Evening News website. Virgin Atlantic uh, take over flights between Manchester and Atlanta. The airline today said it will take over the route from partner firm Delta Airlines, who also announced a daily a new daily service between Manchester and New York JFK, starting from next summer. The Virgin Atlantic has uh, launched a daily flight between Manchester and Atlanta as part of its plan to grow its profits. The company, which is in the middle of its two-year recovery plan, will take over the route from partner Delta Airlines. And bosses at Virgin told the MEN that the Manchester-Atlanta route is Delta's most popular international flight amongst its customers. As a transfer of options, Delta will fly one of Virgin Atlantic's existing London Heathrow Newark services. Delta will also launch a new daily service between Manchester and New York JFK from next summer. Virgin Atlantic Chief Executive Craig Krieger said the plans are centred on strengthening its network and investing in customer experience. He said the airline plans to grow to record levels of sustained profitability by 2018 and is on target to deliver an annual profit by the end of this year. Our ambition is to be profitable on the long term, earn competitive returns and invest those uh, into proving the very best experience for our customers on routes they most want to fly, he added. Transatlantic flying has always been at the heart of our network and our most financially successful region. Today's announcement allows us to play our strengths and focus our network on routes between the UK and US, as well as other critical global destinations uh, that are most important to our customers. Ken O'Toole, Chief Commercial Marketing Officer at uh, Manchester Airports Group, MAG, said that Manchester Airport is delighted to welcome the news today about the strength of Virgin Atlantic and Delta's partnership and having a positive effect over here in the northwest of the country. Plus the additional uh, Manchester JFK service operated by Delta, it now gives Manchester Airport three daily flights to New York. This clearly showcases the increasing need for demand to travel between Manchester and New York, which is a testament to the ongoing Fly Manchester campaign. As our passenger numbers continue to grow, we strive to provide a wide and diverse range of international destinations to the 22 million people in our catchment area to ensure they have a wealth of routes available from their local airport. So, Simon, uh, another route then uh, taking off there between Manchester and Atlanta. Uh, yes, and I can uh, most probably, uh, we've been talking about code shares quite a lot. I would imagine uh, Virgin Atlantic will possibly keep the their name on the flight um this flight um with delta and they will both co- code share um uh, like uh, most airlines do if they do buy routes off each other they still have their name embossed on the uh, tickets i'm still yet to fly virgin but i will yes I'll get you, around ne- to it at some you point. need to you need to but mm. uh, most probably uh, the ones um that they've 
taken over from each other. I'll uh, just have the Delta logo on as, as a code share, so that'll still be they'll still be able to use that. That's a way of uh, sharing uh, more routes by having a code share. So next piece of news in Travel Mall. Uh, Monarch Airlines in the UK here has introduced a share button. Monarch Airlines has introduced a share button on its booking process so customers can tell their friends and family what they've booked. The social media share button lets customers share their Monarch booking confirmation via Facebook and Twitter and see uh, even their recent flight searches. Monarch hopes the initiative will create a holiday envy among family and friends and with links back to the Monarch website will encourage them to book as well. Ian Chambers, head of retail and online at Monarch Airlines, said with this social media sharing tool, Monarch customers can now keep their friends and family in the know throughout the whole booking process. From initial planning stages uh, at night through to the booking confirmation process of the whole stage. And uh, this is a new piece of news. This one's just come out this week. So that's something that they've added to their site then, Simon. Now, um, would do, would you want to know it? Or what, let everyone know where you're going and when you're going? Uh, not holiday? really, no, no. <laughs> I don't think I'd want everyone knowing where I'm going. Or family, I suppose. You'd, you'd tell anyway when you wouldn't need uh, a share button. But um, I suppose for those uh, who want to sort of, uh, what we say, brag to their friends, I suppose, I'm I'm going here on holiday next week. That would be a good idea, I suppose. Yeah, so you can uh, sort of um, make your friends envious, like yes. me. Yeah. Uh, I have just told Simon this evening that I'm going back to Oman next month. Which... Yes, that's lovely, isn't it? That's lovely, listeners. What do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, I'm going back to Oman next month for uh, just for a week um, to, to see some friends uh, out there, which I'm looking forward to, just in the process of uh, trying to search, research flights to try and book with an airline um well not an airline we haven't flown before i'm trying to book with a different aircraft i haven't flown on before which would be nice so next piece of news moving on is on the travel mole site and uh, more airlines are reporting strong august figures easyjet carried 6.6 million passengers in uh, august an 8.4 percent jump from the previous year its load factors for August were 94.2% up from 92.8% in August 2013. In the year to date, EasyJet passengers' numbers have risen 6.4% to 64.3 million, while load factors have risen 1.1 percentage points to 90.3%. Meanwhile, Norwegian reported today that it carried 2.3 million passengers in August, a 19% rise on the previous year. Load factors were 83.6% up, 4.4 percentage points. The fact that an increasing number of customers outside of Scandinavia choose to fly with Norwegian proves that our international strategy is working, said CEO BJ Ankurjos. The August figures are also influenced by major holiday traffic outside of Scandinavia, particularly out of the UK, where Norwegian has a considerable operation. Yesterday, Ryanair also reported strong August figures as well, with load factors at 93%, the highest since 2002. Ryanair carried 9.4 million passengers in August, 400,000 more than in August 2013. So just because to show Simon, even with uh, you know the, the people not having the huge amount of money 
that we we're still jetting off on on holidays yeah. or uh, <clears throat> trips. I think uh, um, people's it's people's priority um, to have a sort of uh, a, a holiday once a year, or like uh, some people have more than one or, or two holidays. You're looking at me <laughs> when you're saying that. Song. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, just jetting off here, there, and everywhere. Um, so uh, yeah, I think uh, it's whoever you are um and if you can afford it it's it's got to be in with your uh, actual family life or social life to have a holiday and get away from uh, your work uh, uh, for a few weeks just to chill out and uh, enjoy yourself but so um, it's good to see though the figures up though from yes, these airlines. yes it, it just is. it does prove that that more and more people are are, are going on holiday yes. keeping those um, pilots airlines and pilots in, uh, uh, in yes. business and really. uh, Boeing and um, Airbus as well uh, keeping them uh, building aircraft busy with numbers yeah we've got a bit new story about big one about that in just a minute yes so next uh, piece of news on the Star website then British Airways Boeing 787 Dreamliner takes to Yorkshire skies Aircraft enthusiasts in Yorkshire have the uh, chance for a close-up look at British Airways' most technologically advanced aircraft. The Boeing 787 Dreamliner this week uh, made several low passes um, over the runway at Leeds Bradford Airport. British Airways has been working closely with Leeds Bradford Airport to enable an eight-day pilot training exercise to take place, which involves the aircraft flying down to just 200 feet above the main runway. Although the 787 won't land, British Airways customers from Yorkshire can still fly in it by connecting from Leeds Bradford via Heathrow to Toronto, New York, Newark, Austin in Texas, Hyderabad, Chengdu, Philadelphia and Calgary, and from next month to Chennai in India. British Airways has ordered 42 787 Dreamliners, which will arrive over the next few years. There currently are eight in service. Dave Sporat, the uh, British Airways Assistant Flight Training Manager for the 787, who is on the training flights over Yorkshire, said, We are extremely grateful for the opportunity to do some instrument approaches to Leeds Bradford Airport as part of our new Boeing 787 training programme. Our flight crews are trained to handle a wide variety of potential problems and need to practice and rehearse procedures to ensure they are ready to handle any situation. Tony Halwood, Aviation Development Director at Leeds Bradford Airport, added, Leeds Bradford Airport welcomes the arrival of the British Airways Boeing 787 Dreamliner in the skies above Yorkshire. Many of our passengers are taking advantage of flying on this technologically advanced aircraft when they connect onto British Airways long-haul services to USA, Canada, India and China from Heathrow. The opportunity to see the new aircraft flying at 200 feet above Leeds Bradford uh, Lead Bradford's uh, runway will be an amazing sight for enthusiasts and travellers alike. The 787 offers huge benefits including a whisper quiet cabin pressurised 2,000 feet lower than other aircraft who are usually pressurised at 6,000 feet, allowing customers to arrive at their destination feeling more refreshed and less jet lagged. Its smooth ride technology also provides extra comfort during any turbulence. Bespoke mood lighting is in every cabin and can be set to reflect the time of day, helping to lull travellers to sleep at night and wake them gently during the morning. Customers can also enjoy the largest windows of any commercial aircraft, offering views of a horizon from every seat or relax watching British Airways' new in-flight entertainment system, which features more than 1,600 hours of programming. The 787 is also extremely fuel-efficient, burning 20% less fuel than other aircraft it replaces. 
So, Simon, I wish I could. I would love to have been there and seen that at 200 feet above the runway. Yes, uh, really uh, nice. Um, cause, um, I've uh, seen the Dreamliner uh, flying around, but um be nice to uh, see that, although it's not going to land. So um, No, no. Um, but that's nice. Pilot training is a good idea. Yeah, Pilot just, training. Just take them up there. That's really good. So next piece of news then on the BBC News uh, England site. This one is regarding a Jet 2 passenger jet that uh, had a slight emergency landing and passengers had to escape along the wing. Passengers on a plane that made an emergency landing have described how they were for- how they forced open a door and jumped from the wing. Jet 2 said the flight which landed at East Midlands Airport <coughs> at uh, 9 o'clock in the evening on last, well, last Wednesday had a minor, minor electrical fault. A passenger on the Ibiza flight said there was a strong burning smell. Another man said cabin crew lost control on the ground, which led to panic and people trying to escape. On its website, the Air Accident Investigations Bureau, the AAIB, said that it had sent a team to investigate a serious incident to a commercial airliner that occurred at East Midlands Airport. An airport spokesman said three other flights were diverted to Birmingham and full safety procedures were followed. The Boeing 737 jet can carry up to 150 passengers. Kyle Charles from Australia Village, Nottinghamshire, said we circled above the airport but tried and failed to land. We landed on the second attempt and when we landed it turned into sheer carnage. Mr Charles said that a number of the cabin crew kept screaming over and over, get off the plane, everyone now. He said that the crew opened the main doors and the back and front of the plane where the inflatable chutes dropped down but not uh, the ones over the wings. His friend forced one of the doors open over the wing and ran uh, onto the wing and jumped down onto the tarmac. He then helped other passengers who were running along the wings down onto the runway. Malcolm Yates, who was also on the flight, said that the intercom failed and there was no communication between cabin staff and the passengers in the air. We soon saw the fire engines lining up, he said, and you could smell the burning and strong electrical burning smell. That's when people started to uh, panic and screaming to get off. The stewardesses kicked the door down up the front. I remember uh, taking a great big lunge for it to smash it down. Another one of these exasperated uh, stories, I think, Simon. I I mean, there's a lot of uh, um, uh, sort of uh, extra... Things I think get said in yes, these sorts do, of situations. Yes, uh, people but that uh, wing looks really badly damaged, doesn't it? Well, it's just looking at it's just that's not. I don't think it's a no, damaged okay. wing. No, it's just, uh, up, uh, there we go. There yeah, we go. No, the other one. Scroll down. There we go. A bit more. There we are. Look at the uh, wing on there. How damaged that is. Um, I think it's just the flaps that are down, actually, Simon. No, but if you look at the front uh, piece of that wing, that looks quite damaged. You look on the front of that wing. Mm. That's not that, don't, that doesn't say anything on there about being a cause of what happened, but yeah. um, but still, another one of these uh, situations, though, Simon, where like we said, uh, it just gets all blown out of proportion. I think, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's a serious incident at the end of the day. Yes, and the emergency landing was uh, would had taken place, but um, I think kicking down doors and stuffs, uh, you know. You sort of um, don't really sort of hear of doors having to be kicked open on aircraft, really, do you? Not no, the main doors. No. But a good outcome from this, and obviously this will be investigated yeah. by uh, the uh, Air Accident Investigations Bureau, and, uh, well, an outcome that uh, was okay in the end then, Simon. Yes, uh, always like a good outcome. Um, 
Every time. So next piece of news then, uh, this one is on the Kappa Centre for Aviation site. And uh, this is something that uh, one of our good friends, uh, David uh, Harris, uh, he picked up on and he posted uh, on our Facebook page. And this is about British Airways uh, upgrading its 747 fleet. So BA has stated uh, on the 4th of September that some of its Boeing 747 fleets are to be um, uh, or have a cabin refresh, including a new IFE system. 18 selected 747s will be installed with Panasonic's EX3 Entertainment System from August uh, this year. The uh, system update in, uh, started. British Airways IFE t- uh, technology manager Richard DeCruz said, We know that in-flight entertainment is really important to our customers. Being able to relax and watch a film or listen to music helps customers pass the time enjoyably. So by installing this state-of-the-art equipment, we'll be able to deliver even more programming on board. The refit, which will be carried out by British Airways engineers in Cardiff, will include a cabin interior refresh, bringing the 747s more in line with the fleet's newest aircraft. New seat foams will be installed in World Traveller and World Traveller Plus and new style seat covers fitted to improve the appearance and match those on the A380 and 787. Carpets and curtains throughout the aircraft will also be replaced to the new aircraft colour palette. Aircraft cabin interiors manager Catherine Doyle said that uh, our customers love our new aircraft and we want to refresh the 747s in line with them as we know the aircraft has a special place in many of our customers' hearts. These aircraft will get some well-deserved TLC and improvements and will be really noticeable to our frequent flyers. This is good news, Simon. This at least this shows that uh, you know the 747 has got uh, a few more years left with uh, with BA, yes. rather than all being sort yeah. of phased out. I don't like aircraft being phased out too quickly. Um, um, I just like to uh, I love because I love the 747 fleet, and uh, it'd be nice to just get them upgraded every uh, every so often, keep them going as long as possible. And I mean, the, they're, they're an old aircraft, yes. but they're still a good workhorse. What, the 400. When did that first come out? Oh blimey! I'd have to look on Wikipedia for that, Simon. But they are—they're an old aircraft. But it's good to see they're still going. It's yeah, good to see they're still, yeah, definitely. So, next piece of news. Moving on, then uh, on the buying business traveller site. <coughs> uh, first bit of Ryanair news. Could we like to? We like to have a bit of yes. Ryanair news. Got to have some Ryanair news. So, Ryanair uh, promise more legroom after a twenty-two billion dollar Boeing order. Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary has promised passengers over 30 inches of legroom and new slimline seats as the airline steps up plans to attract more business travellers. O'Leary's pledge came as Ryanair signed a $22 billion agreement with Boeing for 100 737 MAX 200 aircraft with the option of 100 more. The new aircraft will feature 197 seats eight more than the existing 189-seat fleet that they have at the moment. Ryanair's current seat pitch is 29.9 inches. Wow, 0.1 inch gain there, Simon. That's uh, generous. (laughs) (laughs) These new aircraft will allow Ryanair to lower our costs and fares while improving our customer experience with more legroom and the Boeing Sky interior. As we roll out the new offers, particularly for the Business Plus customers, said O'Leary, something we talked about on uh, last week's 
podcast. Boeing Commercial Airplanes President and CEO Ray, Ray Connor, who signed the deals in New York, said that uh, the aircraft uh, are a perfect fit for Ryanair with increased revenues and high levels of passenger comfort. The new variant will play a significant role in enabling the airline to continue its uh, expanding operations while providing customers across Europe with outstanding value, Connor added. The Boeing will also feature Boeing's sky interior and new engines that Ryanair claims will reduce fuel consumption by 18% and reduce operational noise emissions by 40%. The order comes a week after Ryanair launched its latest initiative to attract more business travellers, the Ryanair Business Plus package. The business package will offer travellers a tailored suite of traveller benefits which include flexible tickets, more check-in baggage allowance, priority boarding and premium seats. The order will see Ryanair fleet, uh, Ryanair's fleet grow from 304 aircraft to 420 and traffic is expected to rise from 82 million last year to 150 million by 2024. So Simon, great news then for Boeing. Yes, uh, yes, this um, aircraft, I did uh, read this because um, I have to say uh, thanks to... Uh, David Harris, as always, because he does, um, he has given us uh, info. Because I'm getting that posted on our Facebook pages, aren't we? And uh, it was always nice um, to get these uh, pieces of news. Um, um, it's just nice to uh, update everybody on all the coming um, things that are happening uh, with the airline industry. And uh, it's just nice to get the aircraft, uh, especially Boeing, to have another sort of order. Um, from uh, Ryanair. Ryanair does seem to be having a lot of um, orders with air, uh, new aircraft and upgrade specials. But this, um, I was reading about this one. This is a 737 MAX 200. Now, is that a smaller version than the 800? No, the, the MAX is slightly bigger. Um, it's scheduled for first delivery in 2017. And uh, just looking here on the development of it. It's it's a bigger aircraft by eight seats. Yep. Eight more seats. And uh has a unit cost of oh, it's quite cheap. Comes in at uh, hundred and thirteen million dollars per aircraft. <laughs> um <laughs> It's also got the new uh, wingtip devices as well. Now this, um, I'm looking aircraft. at this uh, photo, which I can just see, and I've seen a, a, a larger photo. This, the, this is the double uh, winglet or sharklet we were talking about, if you remember, a few podcasts back. Yeah, it's a hybrid uh, uh, blended winglet or wingtip fence with a raked wingtip um, that should deliver uh, an additional 1.5% improvement in fuel economy. Well, that's uh, uh, which good. Which is good. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the um, the wingtip device as well is going to maximise lift as well, especially on the uh, the aircraft as well. So that could uh, mean short um, takeoffs. It, yeah, it will be short takeoffs. Just looking here as well, the seven three seven Max um, uh, is going to be powered by the new Leap engine, um, which uh, is a new engine which is being developed as well uh, to uh, to bring more fuel-efficient uh, power to the aircraft, which is another good. So this is going to be a really, really good sort of an, of an eco-friendly aircraft then, Simon, really, the MAX. Yes, yeah. So uh, Southwest Airlines uh, are going to be the launch customer for the 737 MAX. They've ordered 150 of those aircraft. Um, and I'm just reading through here. 
that the Boeing has said that the 737 MAX 200 is going to be a game-changer aircraft for them. Mm-hmm. So all the best to uh, Boeing. Let's hope this, uh, this does well. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, Michael O'Leary's going to need more garages to park all these aircraft, Simon. I think a lot, of them, will, a lot of them will be in the air or um, ta- taxing, so that's how they get around it. All, they're all in business, aren't <laughs> yeah. they? Because they're not making their money unless they're in the air. Exactly. Or, or full of passengers. For those of you who look at uh, Plane Finder, the app, and Flight Radar 24, like me and Simon, you go on there any time of the day, I think you'll see a Ryanair fl- uh, flight. Yes, somewhere. and I was on there uh, uh, late or early this morning. Um, I say early uh, during the night, and uh, getting a lot of DHL cargo planes and a lot of others, other uh, um, aircraft and a lot of cargo stuff. But the Ryanair and the EasyJet do have late night flights. I'm just looking at. I'm just sorry. Just moving, That's moving okay. on to another story here. I'm just looking at, uh, at something that we got on on the. Uh, News feed ready for uh, for all now. So the Sydney Morning Herald site and Business Day, and uh, Qantas are cancelling A380 flights uh, due to weak demand. And this one is uh, regarding its flights um, uh, between its new overseas hub in Dubai and London. So Qantas has cancelled five return A380 Superjumbo flights over the next two months between its new overseas hub in Dubai and London because of weak seasonal demand. The cancellations come less than two weeks after Qantas revealed uh, pre-tax losses from its international division, widened to almost half a billion dollars last financial year, from $246 million in the red previously. Fares for flights to Europe remain at historic lows in real terms due to stiff competition between airlines. As part of the latest changes, Qantas will reduce the number of return flights between Dubai and London Heathrow Airport from 2 to 1 in October and on November 12, 15 and 20 as well. Passengers on cancelled flights will be put on Qantas Others are other aircraft uh, A380 services or Emirates flights as well, who Qantas co-chair with. Qantas also cancelled three return super jumbo flights between Dubai and London in May this year, citing a slowdown in demand during the northern winter. The airline has emphasised it will increase and reduce capacity on routes where it makes sense, pointing to a recent boost in flights between Melbourne and the US. Like all airlines, Qantas adjusts its schedule to reflect seasonal demand. This simply means increasing during peak times and decreasing during quieter periods because it makes commercial sense. Qantas began flying via Dubai to Europe instead of via Singapore in March last year when it launched its extensive alliance with Emirates. Qantas Chief Executive Alan Joyce said it's a result of uh, briefing late last month that Emirates' alliance was absolutely fantastic but declined to disclose financial figures on its performance. When Qantas Alliance with Emirates was announced in 2012, analysts had estimated that the value of the Australian airline Qantas uh, and the value of the code-share deal was worth as much as $90 million a year in pre-tax earnings. The latest government statistics show Qantas filled 84% of seats on its A380 flights to London via Dubai in June, which was down slightly on the same month earlier a year before. So, Simon, I mean, this is obviously something that's, that makes sense. You know, if the, if they can't fill the seats, 
then uh, then cancel certain flights. I suppose it's something that every airline has to do. Yes, um, of um, our, our local airport, Norwich Airport, I've uh, noticed this. Um, we used to have, I don't know if you can remember, Air Southwest. And they're part of uh, the Flybe group. And um, Flybe sort of works with them. And they, uh, I think Flybe have bought them now. And what happens is if the routes aren't cost um, making enough money, they will um, cancel the flights. Um, and then uh, if demand increases, they will reinstate them at a later date. So um, although they've they sort of withdraw on certain routes and flights, they can be reinstated at any time. It's monitored. Mm. Um, and I know at the September the 11th, um, quite a few years back, KLM um, pulled out of Norwich Airport just after that because the demand for a flight went right down and they were uh, near enough completely out of Norwich Airport. And then they've gradually reintroduced all the flights and they're now back to more flights than they've ever had. So mm. this, this this does happen, and they do monitor uh, which routes are the most cost-effective and uh, do change the aircraft or withdraw aircraft for that reason. It doesn't pay to operate an empty aircraft? So no, it doesn't, no. No, no. So last piece of news then, uh, this is just an update really um, for uh, the Malaysian MH17 flight. Uh, just a, a short update then, uh, obviously on the uh, tragic uh, crash that happened earlier this year to <coughs> MH17 after it was shot down over the Ukraine. So uh, the uh, reports are coming uh, via all the investigations that are being done that uh, the aircraft itself was definitely punctured by a large number of high-energy objects that penetrated the aircraft from the outside. Uh, this is according to a preliminary report uh, on the accident. A 34-page report released by the Dutch Safety Board on uh, Tuesday this week found the forward parts of the aircraft were closest to the last <coughs> known flight data recorder point, indicating they broke off first before the centre and aft parts of the fuselage continued in a down and forward trajectory before breaking up. The uh, Dutch Safety Board chairman, Cheeb Joostra said the initial investigation pointed to an external cause of the crash, but more research would be needed to determine the cause with greater precision, he said. More evidence was expected to become available uh, for investigators uh, in the periods ahead. The preliminary report issues uh, the first findings in an ongoing investigation, and from this point the investigation team will be working towards producing its final report. The board aims to publish this report within one year's date of the crash. The report uh, says that the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorders were both examined by experts and the cockpit voice recorder did not identify any oral warnings or alerts of system malfunctions and the crew did not give any indication at all that there was anything abnormal with the flight before the recording stopped. Based on the available maintenance history of the airplane, it was stated as being fully airworthy when it took off from Amsterdam, and there were no known technical problems. The aircraft was manned by qualified and experienced crew. However, the Dutch Safety Board added coordinated access to the wreckage site by an international team of air safety investigators had not been possible as a result of the armed conflict in the area. The July 17th crash killed 298 passengers and crew members, of which 27 had checked in on Australian passports. Another 11 passengers were residents of Australia. 
MH17 was flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, but many of the passengers were booked on connecting flights from Kuala Lumpur to Australia, New Zealand and other points in Southeast Asia. So Simon, just a quick update there then. We can uh, see uh, on the pictures on yes. the site here that, um, I mean, I'm not an aircraft investigator, but you can see by the pictures there that the... the uh, metalwork, the aluminium frame of the aircraft is in, is pushed inwards. Yes, uh, suggesting something yes. puncturing but, the aircraft. Um, I would have thought. Um, was this the is this the actual impacted uh, point um, of the? This is part many parts. Yeah, there's many parts. Of, because um, I would have thought um, if this was a missile, um, although I don't know much about this. Looking at this piece of uh, photo, we've got a lot of um, sort of uh, large chunks missing. And I know the uh, stuff, but this could have, these scrapes that are on here could have uh, happened on the ground and mm. also could have got punctured um, uh, by hitting up, striking objects on the ground. So, but um, I would have thought it would have made a larger hole than that until I've seen more bits of the aircraft. I don't know if I could make a decision on what has actually happened. Well, according to uh, one of the reports on here, the um, missile that impacted um, possibly exploded. Uh, before it hit the aircraft, sending shrapnel um, into many pieces of shrapnel into the aircraft itself. Um, a very sad thing, Simon. We've, yes. uh, we've covered this story um, in, 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 a, in a small amount of detail because yes. it's quite a sensitive story. Yes. But uh, let's hope that uh, they do somehow find you know the full explanation as to what exactly happened and, and who exactly did it. Yes, yeah. So that's where we're going to bring the news uh, for this week to an end. Uh, coming up uh, after this, we've got uh, some news from Seething, uh, from what uh, what I saw there this weekend, and two great interviews as well that I got uh, while I was there. Simon's going to bring you his military aviation uh, segment as well, and uh, Simon's also got the rundown of the last few air shows. Uh, I hate it when you season. say the last few air shows of the season. <laughs> I know it's gone so fast. It has. Oh, you've took the words out of my mouth there, and uh, I do get a little bit emotional. Um, but uh, I think we've got a few things planned um, with our friend David Harris, hopefully coming we up have, yeah. uh, once yeah. the air show season is out of the way. So, fingers crossed, um, we'll still have a little bit to look forward to and stuff. So. So we're going to come back to you with those bits after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. 
Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> That's a bit low, Simon. Yeah, that was. Right over the kitchen, that one. Yeah. I bet it didn't wake the wife up. Right, so moving on then, next segment on the show, we've got uh, Simon's military aviation <coughs> and air show news. So if you're ready, Simon. Yeah, I'll just uh, scroll and uh, look in here. Are we at the start of the air show uh, listings here? We certainly are. The last few air shows. Simon, I've got to do your segment intros yet. I know. <laughs> but, uh, I know, but it's just... I know, I know. Right, let's play this segment intro. Are you ready, Simon? Yes. Right, let's go. So eating a mince pie as I am now. You've I mean, just you've just taken the words out of my mouth because I was going to say you've given me my bit to do because. I know it's September, and I'm getting excited again now because Christmas is coming, and it's mince pie time. Christmas stuff starting to appear in the shops. So <laughs> once that's out of the way, then we get to the air show season again. So bring it on, right? So with his military aviation segment, and to let me get on with eating this mince pie, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Enjoy your mince pie uh, while I talk you through the very um, last bits of um, the sort of aviation uh, news and uh, air show news, right? The Canadian Lancaster returns to RF Coningsby after being grounded at Tees Valley Airport for six days. Now, I did mention this in the podcast but um, uh, last week, um, but obviously um, it's been grounded. But uh, they've actually sent a team up um, to uh, from Coningsby up uh, there to get this fixed because we've got the best people in the land. Uh, the guys from Canada know what they're doing and obviously the guys at RF Coningsby as well. Um, so they do carry quite a lot of parts, and uh, these are really old aircraft, so um, I know they've perhaps missed out a few uh, air shows or fly past, but it's up and running again, and uh, it's good to know. And the team of volunteers are confident of resuming its display season of the Battle of Britain Memorial twi- um, Twin by the weekend. So uh, problems with the engine forced the crew of the Canadian warplane Heritage Museum aircraft to make an unscheduled landing last Friday, um, 29th of August, um, which was a few weeks ago. It meant that not only was the plane unavailable to fulfil its obligations at Bournemouth and Shoreham air shows last weekend, but the fly past in, in a three Lancasters event at the Lincolnshire Aviation Museum at East Kirby near Horncastle on Tuesday, September the 2nd, was also cancelled. But the CWHM's marketing manager, 
Al Mikolov uh, confirmed that the uh, BBMF's replacement engine had been fitted on Tuesday. So, um, as I said, um, the good old Battle of Britain Memorial flight from Coningsby, um, the guys there have uh, actually fit, fit the uh, spare engine um, to keep that flying. It says, we are aiming to be over both the Scottish Air Show at Prestwick and the Portrush in Northern Ireland coming Saturday and Sunday, 6th of, sep um, 6th of September and 7th of September. Which was this weekend, wasn't it? Uh, just gone. Just gone, yes, yeah. 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 That's good. At least they uh, got that aircraft um, sorted, really, because yeah. that's a highly important aircraft. It will be going on a major uh, service and overhaul um, as we get it ready, um, or as they get it ready in the next few months to get it back to the um, uh, Canada, which is a shame, because I don't think we're ever going to see this happen again, because it's so time-consuming and so cost costly to get this over here. But it's been a bit emotional, and um, I'm hoping to see it before it actually... Um, disappears back to uh, Canada, flying with the BBMF. Right, the next piece of news is Turkey receives its penultimate AEW and C737. Excuse me while I'm eating a piece of cake. <laughs> um, the Turkish Air Force have received the penultimate 737-based airborne early warning and control uh, system aircraft from Boeing, following its conversion in the counterpart partner Turkish Aerospace Industries. Boeing said the third aircraft had been delivered via um, Ankari's PC Eagle program and was delivered on schedule on the 4th of December at the Air Force's Konya Air Base. So what are you saying, Carlos? <laughs> September, not December, Simon. September, sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> That's because you're eating mince pies. <laughs> Thank you. The, the company is due to uh, deliver its fourth and last example in 2015, it says. Um, and uh, Ankara in early uh, 2014 accepted delivery of its first Peace Eagle aircraft registered 13001 following a rough, roughly seven-year program delay. Its surveillance aircraft fleet was ordered in 2003, so that's quite a um, long while ago, with the type originally due to enter service um, use from 2007. The Air Force has already used its lead asset during the uh, munitional exercise uh, Antalyon Eagle staged from Konya. Um, so this... Um, 737, uh, if you can see, Carlos. And I've actually seen one of these at uh, Riyadh a few years back, or um, a similar aircraft, with this um, radar uh, boom on. Now, I don't know whether this is a sliding uh, one that goes in and out of the aircraft, or whether it's just stationary on top of the aircraft. No, that's stationary. Just checking up um, via Wikipedia. And um, this aircraft uh, is an airborne early warning control aircraft. Yes, <clears throat> and it's based um, on the uh, E3 Sentry and uh, has a fixed radar um, on top of the aircraft, an actively electronically scanned array radar antenna. It's uh, a fixed one instead of a rotating one, yes. as you see on the uh, AWACS. Yes. Uh, but this one, uh, as Simon just said, um, is uh, with the Air Forces in Turkey, uh, it's also with the Royal Australian Air Force and also with the Republic of Korean Air Force, and there's been 14 of these built. And it's based on the uh, Boeing 737 Next Gen uh, aircraft. So it looks looks a bit like a passenger aircraft, but with uh, no no windows and a big uh, radar uh, stack on the uh, top of the fuselage. But quite a stunning sort of aircraft, really, to see, Simon. Really, that. But uh, yes, at least at least. It's uh, it's doing well for the Turkish uh, yes. Air Force anyway. So the next piece of news, and Simon. 
Right, the next piece of news, the Greek uh, Air Force investigates the cause of the A7 crash. The Greek Air Force is investigating the cause of a non-fatal accident involving one of its Vought A7 Corsairs just weeks before the type's retirement from use. During the incident on the 26th of August, the pilot of the single-engined uh, strike aircraft ejected the Comontini uh, in North Greece and escaped injury. <coughs> the Air Force says the factors behind the incident which have happened while the aircraft was involved in a mock dogfight with another A7 are under investigation. Assigned to the 116th Fighter Wing, the pair had taken for, off from Araxis uh, Air Base. Flight Global's uh, Milcast data record records said the service um, the service as having had an active inventory of the 18 a7e and 10 ta7c trainers prior to the mishap so now this picture here i'm sure we've uh, seen that at uh, riyadh and i think that's one of the ones we saw at riyadh this year not no, probably not sure that whether that's <clears throat> the actual crash aircraft yes. but uh, that's one from the greek air force that was at riyadh simon yes i remember now yeah. yes that's quite an old aircraft the a7 yes course, and they're the there, um, only remaining operator of the uh, a7 so they um, were produced between 1965 and 1984, and there was just over 1,500 of those built. But they were introduced into service, Simon, in February 1967. Well, that's before I was that's born. Uh, and quite, quite turn old. But they uh, primary users then were the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Air Force, the Portuguese Air Force, and uh, as Simon's just been talking about, the Hellenic Air Force in Greece. And... Uh, just uh, as we like to give uh, money costs here on this uh, web or this uh, podcast, I should say, uh, that aircraft uh, had a unit cost of two point eight six million dollars. If you wanted to buy one, Simon, but uh, quite an, quite a stunning mm-hmm. aircraft to see. Yes, yeah, so it looks uh, a little bit the, like um, the, the Lightning. Yes, yeah, the English yeah. Electric Lightning. Yeah, it looks a, a bit apart like from that, yeah. that air intake at the front, but it does uh, look mm. fairly similar with a huge tail. Yes, yes, uh, it does. So, Simon? Uh, The next piece of news, Pakistan receives its last upgraded F-16Ss. Turkish aerospace industries have delivered the last four modernised Lockheed Martin F-16As-Bs to uh, the Pakistan Air Force, concluding a Peace Drive 2 programme signed in 2009. A total of 41 aircraft uh, has undergone avionics and structural modernisation activity at TIA's uh, CAS... Kazan and Ankara facilities since the work started in 2010. This involved the replacement of more than 1,300 parts, with each aircraft taking around six months to update. God, that's a long while, isn't it? Uh, six months per aircraft. That is, that's quite a long while. 40, you work that out, 41 aircraft. They must be doing two or three at a time there, otherwise they'll be forever doing that. Wow. So um, that is such a long... Uh, uh, while well, meanwhile, uh, Pakistan has sent six F-16s uh, to Konya Air Base to take part in uh, Antolian Eagle Series exercise, which is due to conclude on September the twelfth, um, which uh, is uh, I think that's this weekend. This weekend, the yeah. Turkish Air Force has allocated twenty-seven of its F-16s along with Boeing, with a Boeing seven-three-seven airborne early warning system and a control system aircraft and two Airbus helicopter AS-532Ss. So there's quite a lot of um, um, things going on with those, isn't there? Um, all that uh, refurbs on those. That's the last upgrade, though. A popular aircraft, though, the F-16. Yes. Really um, popular. Yes, definitely. 
Just to give you an idea, the F-16 uh, first flew, Simon, in uh, January of 1974. Right. Two years so. before I was born. Uh, it was introduced into service in August 1978. And uh, there's been four and a half, just over 4,500 of those aircraft built of the different C, uh, series, the A and B series. Uh, there's also a C and a D series as well. Um, nineteen, which is nineteen ninety eight, a bit of a newer, newer model, and uh, it uh, this role of the aircraft, the F sixteen, as many people will probably know, is a multi role fighter aircraft manufactured by General Dynamics and Lockheed Martin. Um, primary users being the U.S. Air Force, as most people know. Yes, but uh, I'll tell you what, Simon's for an aircraft that was uh, first flown in nineteen seventy four. It it when you look at the F-16, it, it still looks like a stunning aircraft. It does, yeah. A stunning fighter, really, to see. Um, but there's been 25 users, different countries, using the yes, F-16. Yes, and uh, I know for a fact that um, they are quite a sort of a regular sight around uh, here, aren't they? They are. Do you normally uh, see them over? Yeah, RF from RF Mildenhall and mm. everything, so, uh, yeah. So, right. Simon, you've got uh, the final rundown, then, of the air shows <coughs> left for um, for this year. Yes, yeah, this is a final rundown. Uh, I might be able to give you some more uh, for next year. Um, but before I do that, um, I don't know if you want to find try and find that piece about Biggin Hill, um, first 2015 uh, aircraft things. While I run through this, right, the first air show, or say the first, uh, one of the last air shows of um, September, or the last block that I have here, is the Goodwood Revival. Uh, West Sussex uh, is a really magical step back in time, unique chance of revel in the glamour and the allure of motor racing, a romantic time capsule of the world's most authentic motor circuit. So um, this um, is on the 12th to the 14th, and uh, it is an air show as well, so it does have a lot on, and its uh, postcode is P-O-1-8-O-P-X. That's P-O-1-8-O-P-X, and... Uh, that is uh, good, and I think the Reds are uh, performing there. The next air show is the Duxford Aut- um, I say Autumn Air Show. This is a September air show. Now, as I said earlier, there's a lot going on in this air show. Excuse me while I drink my tea. There are a lot uh, going on in this air show. On the Saturday, we can confirm that the Vulcan, the Vulcan uh, XH558 will be flying, but that is Saturday only. And also, we have the Reds. They're going to be performing, but they are on Sunday only. So just remember that. And also, we have the BBMF with the Canadian Lancaster. They are also performing there too. No, I think they that's are. A, that's our latest news. And it's that's our latest um, hot off the press news. Now, I think they're confirmed for just Sunday. Yeah, as we just, just Sunday. Just Sunday. Yeah, just Sunday. Right, so we can confirm that. So... Um, I'm going to say that again, um, just to make sure everybody is aware. We've got the Vulcan, which will appear on Saturday only, which is the 13th of September. And then you have the Reds will appear Sunday only on the 14th. And the BBMF and the Canadian Lancaster will be flying in formation on the Sunday only. Uh, plus all the other usual aircraft will be flying. We've got the Shorts Tucano. Um, I believe the Typhoon is there and all the uh, Duxford favourites as well. So if you are going, there's a few tickets left, so make sure you do go early to make sure you're guaranteed to get in. Right, the next air show, uh, well, before I do that, I'll give you the postcode for Duxford. It's CB224QR. 
then uh, that is the postcode for that. So this is going to be a truly um, spectacular air show. Always is, um, and I always enjoy that. So I know Carlos is going, and I may get a chance to go over there, hopefully, um, if I can. The next air show is the Shuttleworth Classic Evening Air Show. These air shows are good. I've never been to them, um, but they do <clears throat> have some uh, interesting flying on uh, these evening air shows and sometimes have a light show with the aircraft. And the postcode for that is SG189EP. This is an, the next air show. It's the Southport Air Show Lancashire. Um, and I know the Reds are appearing at uh, the Southport Air Show both days. And it's over the water. Um, it's up um, uh, sort of Lancashire way. And the postcode for that is PR81SB. And it's a good air show. I've been to that before. And I know it's late in the season, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get good weather on this. Um, to get all the aircraft up there and performing uh, the display for both days. And uh, the next air show is the Brooklyn's Aviation Day, um, Brooklyn's Air Museum, um, Car Museum, Weybridge, sorry, this is a great place. Uh, touchdown at Brooklyn's Museum for a kerosene fuel day of aviation antics and activities. This promised to be a day like no other at the museum, it's emphasis towards the skies. As we dedicate the whole site to the Brooklyn's rich and varied connection with all things aviation, on the site will be many aviation clubs and organisations, family activities and flying displays. And the postcode is KT13OQN. That's KT13OQN. And the next air show is a civil classic. It's uh, Pistons and Props, Northamptonshire. Um, this is a classic uh, air show. Uh, and celebrating classic vehicles as well and both uh, on the ground and in the air enjoy some high octane uh, live action amazing aerial displays breathtaking classic vehicle displays great family entertainment vintage and classic traders and the postcode for that is nn6obn nn6obn now i have a cancellation here this has been cancelled for uh quite a while now um it's such a shame it's the windermere air festival cumbria um I've been up here many a times on the Glebe um, at Windermere to watch this, and it's a fascinating display, but it's a shame that it's uh, most probably down to costs. As you used to get the lovely backdrop with the Reds uh, doing the display over Lake Windermere, and also the Lancaster and the Vulcan flying in as well, so that was a great air show. Uh, but it's a shame that it's been cancelled. Um, uh, the next air show is the 27th and 28th, which is the old Buckingham Balloon Festival. Um, Norfolk, um, so multiple balloon launches uh, each early morning and evening and the airfield remains operational all weekend and camping is available to make the post to make the most of the festival. Entry is free, camping £10 per tent and £15 per caravan and the postcode is NR171PU, NR171PU. Now this is pretty good um, for a balloon festival, uh, Carlos, there's uh, no entry, no entry fee. Even better. That's that's music to everyone's ears. Yes, because um, as all, as we all know, air shows are quite expensive and uh, can be a sort of very expensive if you have a large family uh, to go out with. But um, for a free air show on a twenty seventh and twenty eighth of uh, September, that's pretty good. And then in October, the fourth and fifth, the old Buck Buckingham military, <coughs> excuse me, revival um, is a spectacular. Um, uh, air show and uh, all sorts there and it's nr17 one pu nr17 one pu as i said before um they've got quite a lot on at the uh uh there and everything so 
That's uh, uh, good. And then the Shuttleworth Race Day Air Show. Old Warden Bedfordshire, the final chance to see aircraft from the world-famous Shuttleworth Collection fly before the long winter months come upon us. And their postcode is SG189EP. So that is the air show thing. And the Duxford Autumn uh, Air Show, which isn't on here. Um, I don't know what the reason is, but I will get back to you. I'm going to find out more information on that. So uh, that is it. Wow. And we've got to wait till next year again, Simon. We have. We've got to do it all again. And we'll uh, be a year old in uh, December. <laughs> yes, we will. Well, the show will be a year old. It's Christmas time, which we'll be celebrating here. don't know what episode number that'll be. But that'll be up somewhere in the 30s, 40s, somewhere like that. So, Simon, seething charity F air day that I attended this Yes, weekend. tell me about it. Come on, talk me through well, it. Well, Simon, well, 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 well. So, unfortunately, Simon couldn't be with me uh, for this seething cha- uh, airfield charity air day. But uh, we had a fantastic day. Once again, the guys at the- uh, Seething done an awesome job at putting on uh, a fantastic air show. And uh, we had, uh, well, what didn't we have? We had such a small airfield in a small village in <coughs> Norfolk. Um, we done really well. We had the uh, Breitling Wingwalkers. Unfortunately, only one of the aircraft uh, could uh, attend. Yeah, and I saw that was uh, yeah, I saw that was uh, Boeing Stearman number four uh, that was at the air show. Um, I did see that, um, which is a shame. But um, I don't know uh, whether it was Martin or uh, Mike um, or one of the other pilots uh, there, but um, I know the uh, pilots very well of that, and uh, they do have a lot of air shows to attend. And there's a good thing about having four aircraft; they can split them up. But uh, they've done a good show, a really good show, even with one aircraft. And um, the wing walker herself uh, put on an awesome display on the aircraft. Um, the crowd uh, were well and truly uh, amazed by that. We also had a fly past of uh, the BBMF, the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight C seventeen, uh, sorry C fourteen, uh, forty seven. Sorry, <laughs> the Dakota, the Douglas Dakota. Uh, the C forty seven that uh, they done a fly past uh, yes. a few times they done they flew in and done a fly past yes. didn't land no. the runway at sea things not quite long enough no, for isn't. the C forty seven it did um not uh, uh, some people may not know this but um if you as you drive uh, to the air show um it used to be a lot longer runway and many years ago yeah. and yeah. the red arrows when they had the fallen gnat did actually land there. And uh, I did put a post up there. It'd be nice to have the Red Arrows um, display there again, which hopefully in the future may happen. Hopefully. So that would be good. And um, I know they do numerous fly past when they're in the area um, at Seething. So I have seen them fly past there quite a few times. And they always keep their uh, feet in there and under the table. So I think we could be possibly seeing them uh, appear in the future, coming years. And also, uh, we had Mark Jeffries, and he was in the Extra 330SC uh, display aircraft. Uh, he'd done a really, really mega display with that aircraft, and what he didn't do with that aircraft just isn't worth talking about, because he threw it around like it was a rag doll in the air. Yes. Um, he'd done some stunning flying, absolutely stunning flying. We also had the P-51 Mustang. Yeah, that's uh, one of the old fly machines um, aircraft. And if I remember rightly, it'd be the silver one with the yellow front on it. Um, yeah. That appears at most air shows. I forget the name <coughs> of the chat. Now, he's local to here, though. Yes, who, he is. Uh, who owns that? Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm so excited about what you're telling me. Um, the fact is that a lot of the pit specials were there, and we do have did have 
Um, two to three of the ex Rothmans uh, display aircraft there, which used to be blue and white, and uh, I can guarantee that they used to be uh, from that. And I do have uh, posters of information on that because um, they used to fly at Alton Broad. Excellent. We'll have to look at the registration <laughs> numbers. Sorry. Yes, you can find yes. Um, I know uh, what we'll do. Um, we'll ask David. He'll uh, he'll know. <laughs> ask David. The pictures are on Facebook on our Facebook site. If you want to look at uh, yes. the pictures, I do. <clears throat> So another aircraft at the uh, Seething Charity Air Day, which um, was an absolute legendary treat for me, was the B-25 Mitchell. Uh, That was flown in uh, by a Dutch crew that uh, is based uh, over there in the Netherlands. I think it is that one. Yes, I know know him as well um, because he gave my daughter a a mini set of uh, carved hand clogs, a key ring. (laughs) Um, So... He was an ever so nice uh, gentleman, and uh, I uh, don't remember his name, but um, that was uh, this year. Now, they actually managed to land the B-25 Mitchell at Seething, uh, which used <coughs> quite a considerable amount of yes. runway, but they did get it in, and yes. they actually taxied that right up to the uh, the front row of uh, the dis- where the, uh, where the, the, uh, pa- the public was standing. And, God, seeing one of those uh, aircraft close up, Simon, the engines are huge <coughs> they are. in the B-25. Yep. Um, also, uh, throughout the day, there was uh, lots of trade stands and stalls and um, stuff to do. We also had the Wildcat Formation Aerobatic Team as well. Um, they were putting on an awesome display um, with the, as they always do, because me and Simon have seen the Wildcats uh, perform this year as well before. We also had a flying of a jet uh, at the Seething Air Show really? this year. Yep. Uh, he didn't land. Uh, runway issues again with uh, Seething not having a long, quite long enough runway but we had uh, the L-29 Soviet built uh, jet that was uh, just over 50 years old this one and uh, he uh, flew over, went to, on his way to um, Norwich Airport and landed at Norwich and when it was his turn to display, took off from Norwich Airport <coughs> and flew back to Seething and done a display for us <coughs> That's really nice which isn't was it? Which really good the L-29 jet, uh, quite an interesting Soviet jet, if you've uh, ever seen one. It's uh, got uh, sort of short uh, cut-off wings at the end, and the engines are mounted uh, where the wings join the fuselage, Simon. Quite uh, quite a good aircraft to see, the L-29. Yes, now that aircraft, is. correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, similar to the Freeze Tricolores aircraft? It looks very similar. I'm not sure, Simon. So. It looks so. I don't think it's the same, but it possibly could be. I'd have to look into that one. We also had the uh, T six uh, Texan there as well. Yes. Now, when uh, uh, when you saw that, when you uh, mentioned that to me, I thought it was the Textron, but I get get muddled up because they're very similar <laughs> uh, in names. And Texan. The, the, the Texan. Te- yes, I thought the Textron. It can't be there. It can't uh, be. Um, yeah. That is a nice uh, aircraft, and the good thing about the seething one is. Um, you get a lot of vintage aircraft there, and yeah. I also believe you had a. Was there a Dragon Rapide there? I saw in your photos. Uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't the Dragon Rapide. It was the Dragon. The Dragon was the the uh, aircraft that was uh, built before the Dragon Rapide. Right. Very similar looking aircraft. They look very very similar. <laughs> yes. But the Dragon uh, was the the first aircraft of that type, and then the Dragon Rapide, as me and Simon have seen it. Um, Duxford. Duxford. Um, but the Esther Dragon was there. Um, she done a, done a small display. Uh, lovely aircraft, though, Simon. <coughs> it really is. I've flown on uh, one of the ones at Duxford, and a lot of people won't know this. Do you know the uh, escape hatch? 
is made of waterproof crepe paper. <laughs> it's just like um, the tissue paper and greaseproof, greaseproof paper you use um, for cooking. And um, if you put that, um, it's a round hatch in the top of the uh, aircraft fuselage, and you just push it out with your fist and climb out. It, it sounds crazy. Mega. But um, it, it it is what it is. What I've just said is true. So it seems hard to believe, but... Um, when I went up in it, it's a lovely aircraft to fly in. Um, lovely, uh, good for thing. And a lot of people don't know this. These aircraft used to be used by the Royal Mail for carrying mm. a post and everything. Perhaps this weekend when I'm at Duxford on Sunday, if they've got the Dragon Rapide flying, I might. It should uh, be uh, classic have a wings. Go. Should have two to th- possibly three flying. Then obviously I, I might the Tiger Moth. I might have a go, Simon. If it doesn't break the bank. <laughs> but also at the uh, Seething Air Show. There was a number of other aircraft there as well. Uh, if you go on to uh, Facebook, our Facebook page, uh, Plane Talking UK, you can go on there and you'll see the uh, photos I uploaded, which I took at Seething this weekend uh, with all the other aircraft on. Now, I've just left two final aircraft that were there um, because these two aircraft, I actually managed to uh, interview the pilots of these two aircraft. Absolutely brilliant. I was I was so excited. Yeah, so I bet you were. Like a child in a candy shop. Uh, yes. Uh, so the first one then uh, <clears throat> was uh, the pilot uh, of the East Anglian Air Ambulance. Now, they were there uh, during the first part, very first part of the air show. Uh, before the display started at 2 o'clock, they had to take off due to display restrictions. They obviously can't uh, sit there while the display is on just in case they get a call. But uh, I managed to get an interview with uh, Neil Waller, and uh, he was the pilot uh, of the EC-135 helicopter. And I'm going to play that interview that I took with him now. Okay, you join me at the Seething uh, Charity Air Show Day here at uh, Seething in Norfolk. And uh, I've uh, been very privileged indeed to uh, come up and chat with the pilot of the East Anglin Air Ambulance, Neil Waller. Hello, Neil Waller. Hi there. Uh, welcome to the Plane Talking UK podcast. Uh, so, Neil, your career with uh, with flight then, how did that start? Uh, about 20 years ago, um, I was uh, an army tank soldier, as it, as it turns out, and I, uh, I decided that uh, I'd seen enough of the dirt and mud, and uh, I wanted to try something a bit different, so uh, I applied to become a pilot in the army. Um, it, uh, it took me about 18 months uh, to get through the selection process, but once I was through the selection process, uh, I qualified as a uh, gazelle pilot, um, and I spent uh, a number of years in the uh, in the military as a gazelle pilot, um, leaving in 2006 when uh, I started flying for the East Anglian Air Ambulance. Um, I've been flying for them for the last eight years. Um, I've flown the BO105, uh, BK117C1 and uh, the EC135 for them over the last eight years. Um, and we're hoping soon to go to an EC145T2. Um, all a bit expensive, but uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly the way forward for us. Excellent. And the the job you do here, you you enjoy that, I guess. Oh, I love it. It's a, it's a job that that comes with uh, a great deal of satisfaction. And there aren't many jobs out there where you can uh, put your finger on a particular incident and say I did someone a, a real sort of uh, I improved their day and, ma- and made 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 it a really bad situation much better. Excellent. So moving on to the aircraft you fly then, this particular aircraft we're standing next to now, what uh, what particular type of aircraft is that for our listeners? Uh, this particular aircraft is an EC-135P2. Um, uh, unusually, this aircraft was um, designed originally uh, for the uh, Chinese police and they 
elected not to have the autopilot fitted to this aircraft. So although it's a P2, uh, similar to the T2, um, so it has a glass cockpit um, and has Pratt & Whitney engines rather than Turbenbecker engines, it uh, it doesn't have an autopilot. So it's a, it's quite a little bit different to some of the others uh, within the the uh, within the mark. Um, it's got a medical fit in the back um, that allows us to. Um, transport one patient at a time and it also has a number of uh, relatively advanced medical pieces of kit in the back some of which are frighteningly expensive well i best and the the job you do do you are you on call seven days a week or do you uh, do you sort of have a, da- a downtime at all um i work four days on four days off uh, it's 12 hour shifts um and this is a day vfr aircraft being no autopilot so uh, during the summer it's uh, seven till seven um and I've just started first of my four. Excellent. What's your like to fly? It's superb. It's, it was uh, designed uh, originally um, as a light utility aircraft um, uh, with some executive uh, work in mind. And so it, it flies very smoothly. It's beautiful to fly. It has a level of accuracy about it that is uh, difficult to find in aircraft um, just a few years older than this. Say, because yeah, you guys have to get in some quite uh, tight spaces sometimes and some quite uh, uh, unsociable places to land at times, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, the, from the tip of the blades at the front to the tip of the tail, it's 12.5 metres. Uh, we times that by two, gives us the D measurement, the 2D measurement for the aircraft. So we can put it in a 25 metre circle, um, which kind of equates to about the size of a tennis court. Excellent. What's the top speed of the uh, helicopter itself? Um, we cruise at 135 knots, top speed 145 knots, depending on air density, etc. Oh, wow. So your future then, what uh, what do you see for yourself? And are you going to stay with the East Anglian Air Ambulance now for for years? or? Yeah, I have no plans to, to do anything but fly this. It's a great job. It's a fantastic job, in fact. Excellent. Do you do any flying yourself in your downtime? Sort of uh, no any... No, none at all. This is more than enough. <laughs> so it takes up takes up all your time uh, being with the or you're flying this helicopter. Excellent. So what's your what's your plans for today? Are you going to be here for the uh, entire air show? Are you? Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, due to the nature of um, how we depart and so on and so forth, uh, we can't be here when the displays are on. So we need to be uh, gone before the uh, flying display start at two o'clock. Excellent. Well, thanks, Neil, for your time. Uh, thanks for joining us on the uh, Plane Talking UK podcast. It's been great to talk to you. And uh, uh, we hope you have a uh, good uh, rest of the day and a uh, good rest of the weekend and, and the next week. You're very welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was great uh, to get that interview with him, Simon. Really good to talk to him. And uh, what a fantastic aircraft. Does an awesome job uh, saving uh, many lives round East Anglia. And a, and a brilliant charity as well, Simon. Really, really yes, good charity. Uh, yeah, that's a good uh, charity. Um, uh, and we, you've got Anglia 1 and Anglia 2. And uh, just to clarify this, you've got Anglia 1, which normally stays to the uh, east of the region, and Anglia 2, which goes to the west of the region, Cambridgeshire, Peterborough area. And then the other one is Norwich, Great Yarmouth and Lowestoft area and north. Obviously, they split down mm. the middle of East Anglia because uh, East Anglia is quite a big area for just one aircraft to cover, one helicopter to cover. So um, you have got that um, uh, extra aircraft and uh, as uh, they're based out of uh, Norwich Airport. Yes. So the last uh, uh, um, interview I got at the uh, show and... Uh, it was the pilot of the P-51 
Hits special, and uh, I managed to uh, grab. And I, I tell you, she was she was then just getting herself a cup of tea. Bless her. She'd done a display, and uh, she put on a fantastic display. And I managed to get an interview with the pilot Lauren Richardson. Now, Lauren Richardson uh, is the, as we said, the pilot of the Pitts Special Display Aircraft, and uh, she is only 27 years old, Simon. 27 years old. Wow. And uh, she put a fantastic display on uh, at the show, uh, kept us all totally engrossed in the display. She done, <coughs> some, she done some pretty scary flying, Simon. You should have yes. flying sideways. And, yes, um, I can imagine, because the uh, Pit Special is uh, a lovely aircraft, and I really enjoy uh, watching this. I've ha- have actually seen that um, a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was at Chroma, or somewhere I was on the coast, and it flew past. I think it may have been Chroma. Um because they had an air show on uh, nearby somewhere else, and uh, that that did actually fly past. And uh, it's a lovely aircraft. I'm friends with her on Facebook, and I hope yep. you are as well. I certainly am. Good. So her aircraft, uh, Golf Bravo Kilo <coughs> Delta Romeo, is a Pitts Special S1S, originally built in 1982. And it was originally designed by Curtis Pitts in 1943 and 1944. The aircraft that uh, Lauren flies is a highly modified version of this aircraft, um, but uh, it is a really stunning red aircraft uh, with uh, a white uh, this, uh, uh, kind of um, lines across. Yeah, so, it's such a stunning yes, aircraft. To uh, see. Maybe uh, worth putting some pictures up um, on our uh, Facebook. They're on, they're on Facebook. Yes, you've actually uh, put some of them up. I um, have, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, as we're talking about the uh, this air show. I think it's worth mentioning uh, the Seething Air Show. Any air shows which we do go to, including this one, we do actually add photos up on our webpage, um, podcast, uh, Plain Talking uh, UK. Um, so they are on there for everybody to look at. And uh, you've got to say something else, aren't you? Yeah, the pit special at uh, Lauren Flies is powered by a Lycoming uh, engine. And uh, it has a fully inverted fuel and oil system, meaning that 180 horsepower reaches the lightweight wooden Hercules propeller, which is it, which gave it must be why it flew so fast, Simon, because it was a r- pretty uh, nifty aircraft. Uh, but uh, as I said, I managed to grab Lauren for an interview for the show. She was really good, and uh, she had loads of interesting information. So we're going to play that uh, interview for you now. Okay, so you join us then uh, for my last interview then at the Seething uh, Charity Air Show Day here at Seething Airfield in Norfolk. And uh, I'm standing here next to... Lauren Richardson. Lauren Richardson. So you've uh, you've very, very uh, graciously uh, allowed me to uh, come and drag you away from the tea tent. You've got, got a nice cup of tea there on the go. And uh, firstly, I'd just like to congratulate you on a fantastic display. You had the whole crowd totally uh, in the palm of your hands for the whole display. How, how is the display for you? Oh, brilliant. It's always nice to hear that people actually enjoyed it because it's very hard actually to um, really know how well it's gone from here. I mean, you see people waving and clapping sometimes, but um, generally I find if I'm not really aware of how it went, it usually went really well. It was one of those, so yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we uh, we definitely enjoyed it. Uh, got some great pictures. There's so many people taking pictures. I think you'll be uh, well and truly famous uh, uh, on, on the realms of online uh, entertainment. So uh, a bit about yourself then, your background, how did it all start for you, your passion for aviation? It's kind of strange actually, I mean none of my family fly, I, am, I really am the first, but um, I can remember being about 10, watching the airliners flying over the house and wanting to have a go, and um, 
eventually managed to sort of start work and earn some money and went and had flying lessons and learned to fly once I, once I basically got got a job and got a, got somewhere to live and because my parents couldn't afford to sort of help me do that so we yeah I went and learned to fly and just you know it was just I just loved it from day one you know being up there having the freedom to just go where you want and do what you want it's it's just it's, there's something quite special about about aviation um the aerobatics came a bit later I had a bit of a gap after I got my pilot's license because I ran out of well I ran out of money really um it's the same old story um and I came back and just had had a first experience flight in a two-seat pit. Now, I'd vowed that like, I was never going to do any of this aerobatic stuff. It all looked so dangerous and so wacky and so mad. And I thought the people that did it were insane. Like, why would you want to do that? And I had a go, and something just changed there and then. The first ever first loop, upside down, looking upwards at the ground was kind of kind of a weird moment and very very kind of um inspiring moment and just just something in my brain changed i think and i started flying the two-seater a bit more and i learned to do competition aerobatics and started started competing in the uk in the two-seater and it just got too expensive um and i realized i wanted to pursue this and get into you know more get into the higher levels of co- competition and maybe even get onto the air show circuit so i ended up buying a single seater um still got a whacking great big loan that i'm trying to pay off i mean really really huge loan i don't have a house um because I have an aeroplane uh, but um, yeah best thing I ever did it's been a fantastic machine it's taught me so much about myself and about flying and getting into doing shows has just been such an eye-opener you go to competition and you're told you're rubbish basically you go and you're judged and told oh yeah that's where you went did that wrong you did this wrong you did that wrong and all your mates are kind of watching going oh yeah 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 that was rubbish you know you need to do better uh, all very nice it's all very tongue-in-cheek and we all love doing it but it's, there's something about being critiqued and everything's critical and very very kind of like you're losing points everywhere you come to a show and even if you're quite rubbish and you know the precision's not there and you miss things out and you you change things and everything feels a bit horrible people still think you were great and there's something nice about coming back down and having people tell you that you just did a really good flight and they really enjoy, enjoyed watching you even if you felt it was a bit naff um that's actually really nice so i quite like i quite like both disciplines and I, i'm going to continue doing both sides of the, the aerobatic thing um but yeah that's that's pretty much it i suppose Excellent. So have you done any other shows this year at all? Yeah, I've done quite a few. Someone asked me this earlier and I tried to reel off the list and I'm sure I missed a few off. Um, But going backwards from here, I was at both days of the Real Air Show last weekend. I was at the Little Gransden Air Show the weekend before. Just wait for the B-25. I did both days of Cleethorpes, one day of Western Supermare. And there were others. There were definitely others that I can't. I can't remember. That's really frustrating. And there, there were a couple that I missed because of bad weather during the year as well. But there have been quite a few. It's been ten, twelve, I think. Oh, that's awesome. You got any more planned for this year then, for the rest of the air show season? No, this is the end of it for me. So the aeroplane will be getting a nice strip down and a bit of TLC as of next weekend, which it it, de- it dearly needs actually. But um, it's it's all a bit ha- hectic during the season. You can't really do too much to them for fear of having to take it out of the air for too long. But she deserves a bit of bit of TLC, so that's that's the next that's the next stop. Excellent. So whereabouts uh, are you and the aircraft itself based then in the UK? We are now based at a gliding site called Nymphsfield near Stroud in Gloucestershire. Ah, excellent. excellent. A few miles away from here then, so you've got a bit of a uh, trek to get home. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you ask that because as of this morning, it was still at Little Granston in Cambridgeshire, but I'm moving moving the aeroplane today back to back to Stroud. So it's going to take about um, probably an hour, hour and ten, which isn't too bad. So a little bit about the aircraft uh, that you fly then for the listeners and exactly what uh, what, what uh, she's like to fly and uh, and what the aircraft is. Yeah, well, the aircraft is a is a quite a heavily modified Pitts Special S1S. So it's a single seat version of the of the, the classic airshow machine, the, the Pitts Special. A lot of the display teams of the sort of eighties and nineties all flew two seat versions of, of the Pitts. So everyone everyone knows that the aerobatic biplane, and that 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 is what it is. It's very very iconic machine. Mine's had a few modica- modifications done to it. So it's faster rolling. It's got it's um lighter in pitch. Um, and it's a bit stronger than a stock one as well, so it's quite it's quite a quite a serious bit of kit, really. Um, it's wonderful thing to fly. It's super light, super responsive, but full of character as well. I mean, I fly extras and things occasionally as well, and I, as much as I love them, and for, for certainly for competitive flying, there's nothing nothing can beat a carbon wing monoplane. Flying the kind of rag and wood biplanes there's just so much more kind of fun to them so much more character and more feel i mean i i spend a lot of time in this airplane so i know what it feels like doing different things i can tell what's happening by by what it sounds like you know in different different positions and you you can feel the vibrations in different types of maneuvers are slightly different and you just get a lot more kind of feel than you do with the monoplanes and it's, it's just a beautiful fun machine to fly it's very uncomfortable for more than about 45 minutes i mean the, the seat seating position is, is not a touring it's not a touring airplane at all it's quite cramped quite confined it's quite a small cockpit and the seat does does tend to make your feet go numb after a while but um, for you know, less than 45 minutes, it's a, it's a joy. It really is. But yeah, the transits can, can be a bit uncomfortable. But. So when you're doing displays, um, a, a, lot of, uh, sort of, a lot of the listeners and stuff wonder whether the pilots have a sort of, like they do in the film sometimes, have the MP3 player on with their favourite tunes blaring out as they're doing displays, or do you, do you, do you have to have a lot of concentration, I expect, for your display? I listen to music in the aeroplane when I'm transiting. Because it is so boring. It's. I mean, a lot of people do go fly A to B just as just because that's what they enjoy doing. For me, I, I get bored quite easily. It's not, as I say, it's not a comfortable aeroplane to go A to B in. So the music does tend to take a little bit of the pain away, <laughs> which is great. But when I'm displaying, no, no, it's absolutely quiet because I want to hear what's going on with the engine and I want to be able to feel everything. I want. I want as many senses to be tuned into what the aeroplane's saying as possible. So the music goes away, um, and it's just it's just kind of down to business really excellent so what's the future hold for you then uh with the display so are you going to carry on doing displays and air shows for the for the foreseeable future oh for sure for sure more and more i think the the more more i can do the better i'll get and the more entertaining it will be for everyone else so yeah well i'm I'm also planning on going back to competitive flying next year and hoping to hoping to do the advanced nationals and at least not make a fool of myself um, which is the main aim. I'm not expecting to win because the aeroplane is quite a long way behind some of the um, some of the monoplanes, but uh, I think I could do reasonably well. So I'll be, be doing a bit more of that um, and hopefully bringing a bit more of the kind of precise competition style of figures into some of the uh, some of the display sequences. I've also got a few ideas for some new stuff that people aren't doing at the moment, which we'll see if I can make it work, and you might see some of that in next season. 
I'll tell you what, it's, it's great to see, obviously, a lot of our listeners are used to sort of hit, seeing, the, seeing the guys fly the display aircraft and stuff, but it's great to see some women uh, sort of display our pilots like yourself. Um, you being the first one we've interviewed on the show, so uh, it's, it is a privilege for us to have our first display pilot, female display pilot, on the show. Thanks, thanks for that. Oh, it's quite an honour to be the first female display pilot on the show. I know there aren't too many of us around. There are a few, but I think I'm probably the only one doing sort of purely aerobatic stuff so it's a little bit different but then we need more we need more women in aviation generally and i look forward to, to seeing more women in the in the pilots tents at the shows i really do it'd just be it'd just be great but i mean it's it's just been just like being one of the guys really though it's no it's no it's no different and i'm not treated any differently and i don't think i should be either it's like yeah You've definitely got a job that I think uh, a lot of people envy. I think uh, they'd love to sort of be in your shoes. I think at uh, at one point in the display to sort of feel what the uh, feel what it's like to be in that particular situation when you're flying those manoeuvres that you do because some of them do look really really gut wrenching. The manoeuvres you do in that aircraft. Yeah, it's um I'm very very privileged to be doing what I'm doing. I wish it was a job. I wish it could be a job, but unfortunately I have to work nine to five as well. Um, to fund the flying, as it were. But there's something, there is something uniquely awesome and special about doing. So, especially a bit, I've had a couple of moments at some of the seaside shows this year, where you're flying over the beach, uh, clear blue sky day, no wind, and you're following. And you, you put, just pull around and you see all your smoke trails still there behind you, and you kind of, and it's just, just the most amazing thing, actually seeing that and being there and doing that, and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing this. It's quite. It's quite something. I mean, it's been, it's been a long, hard slog to get here, mind. I've made a lot of sacrifices to be doing this. But I wouldn't change anything. It's, it's, it's such an honour to be able to do this that, yeah, if, anyone, if, if any, anyone wants to have a go at sort of aerobatic flying and gets the opportunity, just, just do it. It's just so amazing. I'm currently actually going for my MPPL at the moment myself. Um, started, uh, started eight years ago, finished because of funds. Uh, I've started up again in the last couple of months. I'm now uh, currently at eight hours in the book. Um, so I'm moving, moving, progressing slightly towards uh, hoping to get my uh, pilot's license. But uh, have you got any sort of uh, inspiration, from, not just for me, but for people who were, who were looking at starting aviation to, to get their license? It's a difficult one. I mean, I, I'd say. I mean, I like to try and encourage people as much as I can. I mean, I, I came from I came from a background of, of not having any money at all. You know, I came from a very poor background. A lot of people think that all this has been done because I've had money behind me. It's not. It's not the case at all. So I've worked for every penny that has gone into that machine. And and if and I think a lot of people think that they can't do things because it's, it's it's too elite or it's too difficult or there's too much to it. And and the reality is, if you want to do something enough. And you're willing to try. I mean, really try. Then you, you, then you can. You know, and if you want to have a go at something, see if it's right for you. Then just go and have a go. You know, just go and see. And if you fall in love with it, just follow it. Excellent, inspirational words there for everyone listening to the show. Um, so we're going to uh, bring the interview to a close now. I'd like to thank you very much indeed for uh, giving us your time here, and uh, your, your tea has probably gone cold, um, and giving us uh, giving us the interview for today. And uh, thanks again for a fantastic display, and uh, we look forward to seeing you possibly at uh, Riyadh or Farnborough next year, or the, at Farnborough the following year. 
Uh, we'll see, we'll see. I think the big ones might be a, a little bit of a way off yet, but but we shall see. I mean, can I just say, if anyone's interested in what I'm doing and, and where I'm going... Yeah, oh, if I, yeah, anywhere on the internet where they can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm quite I'm very active on kind of social media. I like talking to people and engaging with people. I like people telling me what looks good and what they think might be a cool thing to do. So so the more people that give me ideas, the more stuff I'm going to put into the, into, the, into the season next year. And people... Yeah, it's, it's great. So, yeah, I have quite a quite a large twitter following um at groovy underscore nut i've also got a fairly active facebook page is where most of the pictures go and all the cool videos and things and that's facebook.com slash the aerobatic project which is also my website the which is full of bloggage and my my random thoughts about what's gone wrong or what's what's going what's gone right and everything else and it can be quite it can be quite interesting but um yeah so please if if anyone's interested do come along give me a like or a follow and and make some comments it's all good Excellent. Well, we're going to post the pictures uh, that I took from the air show today on our Facebook page, so you'll be able to see them on there. Uh, so from me again, it's a, a big goodbye here from Seething uh, Charity Air Show Day. And from you? Yep. Goodbye to everyone, and I hope, that, I hope we have a great season next year. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Goodbye. So thanks again to uh, Lauren for allowing us to uh, interview her on that day. And uh, she, uh, she must have took a lot out of her, that display because she looked really, really knackered after that. But flying that aircraft does take a heck of a lot of skill and uh, concentration to fly. But uh, thanks for that interview. So, Simon, I think I think that's about all we've got to talk about on this uh, um, show. Yes. Um, go on the Red Arrows website. I haven't mentioned them much on this podcast, but um, there are a few air shows, as I said. Um, obviously, Duxford and uh, Food Fly Pass. I've just done the Invictus opening um, this evening uh, in London uh, and a few more fly pasts. Um, so get the Reds in while you can, because um, they've only got a few more uh, displays to do. They've um, got the Channel Islands uh, air shows, which I think uh, Jersey and Guernsey have just been completed uh, this mm. week. And uh, we've got Southport, Duxford, and uh, a few others. They've got Belgium and uh, Malta, and I think that's about it. Mm. And I can see you're getting tired now. because know, the old eyes I know. Are it's, it's, 10 past, it's 10 past 10 now, Simon. <laughs> I've got to be up at half past five in the morning for work. Ooh. But yes, no, but I shall. I shall be up early this Sunday. Yes, but I shall be up this early. Uh, oh, it'll be up early on Sunday, especially for the Duxford Air Show, because I will be at the air show at Duxford this Sunday on the fourteenth. Simon unfortunately can't be there with me, but uh, he's in tears now. We're going to have to get him some uh, some uh, Kleenex now for his eyes. He's he's blaring everywhere. <laughs> But uh, no, I shall be there uh, this weekend. Uh, I've got a, a friend of mine, Greg Sparks. He's coming with me. Uh, he's a massive, massively uh, huge photography uh, chap who loves his uh, he loves his photography. So he's going to come along with me to the show. Get some good pictures of the Reds oh, and yes. the Lancasters. I shall make sure Mr. Sparks gets uh, plenty of great pictures of the Reds. And uh, the Red Arrows will, uh, depending on what the weather is doing, uh, if it's uh, clear, that we'll get a full display uh, this Sunday. Um, a bit cloudy and overcast. Uh, you may get a rolling display, but you may also get a rolling display, depending on the, um, what clearance you get from Stansted Airport, bearing in mind that Stansted is close by. So if uh, Stansted gives them clearance for a full display, even though it's a clear day, that should be good. But obviously that's subject to uh, what aircraft are flying in and out uh, during uh, that day. So, Just looking on the weather, Simon, it's at the moment it's saying that Sunday will be... Uh, mostly cloudy, but with sun, sun, uh, 22 degrees, 
um, <coughs> with a slight northeasterly wind. Now, don't be fooled by that, folks, um, because um, I've known, been at Duxford many, many years, um, been going there many years, and the wind, the crosswinds and uh, winds that you get across there, I've been there on a cloudy day and had real sunburn, so make sure you put your suntan cream on, um, even though it, um, that is... Um, the weather is so changeable and uh, I've been in October and had a really bad illness um, and been really cold so um, actually Simon the last time me and you went to Duxford didn't you catch the sun was that Duxford oh yes <laughs> don't talk to me about sun I didn't have any cream did I no no Simon did catch the sun there and uh, that was quite amusing actually. well I'd, I wouldn't have liked to have caught the sun we got my fingers burned <laughs> you're such a comedian Simon so we are, um, oh, just before we go, we must uh, also say that uh, those uh, regular listeners will notice that we haven't done our In Focus Aircraft of the Week segment this week. This is purely because we are running short of time, um, with it being quarter past ten in the evening. Yes. Um, but we will run uh, the, because it's quite an important one, there's some very special aircraft yes. to choose from. And I think what I'm going to do after this one, I'm going to do um, pick some in-flight aircraft, um, I may pick um, the Hawk. I may pick um, some aircraft that are involved in air shows, uh, air show uh, display aircraft. Um, I think the Hawk would be a good one to have. Um, possibly the Jaguar. Mm. Um, am I boring you with these yawning now? No, Big yawns. I know. It's uh, we'll possibly put the Jaguar or the Tornado. Um, but we'll, I've got to get my head round uh, a few aircraft to uh, have for that uh, in the coming uh, weeks. Um, but. The Red Arrows Hawk is always a good one to talk about, and uh, we will be having a lot of, a lot of the air show season will be finishing. We'll have um, lots of special uh, chats and information, uh, because there is one place, before we uh, wrap this up, I've just uh, remembered, um, is REF Neatus Head. So um, there's a lot of uh, ex-cultural things there, and um, that is a good place to go for a day out. And that has just been voted one of the top uh, places um, in the travel, um, traveling places um, by the English Tourist Board as a family attraction to go to. So um, uh, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Duxfords, um, other things coming up during the winter, um, and a lot of the uh, sort of places that are open. Um, we'll we'll actually uh, talk about them and a lot of the air bases and uh, history of some aircraft that are still flying or not flying. So don't forget, if you see me uh, this weekend at Duxford, I will have uh, the usual Plain Talking UK grey um, coat on, or grey uh, uh, the uh, sweatshirt on, um, which means Simon wear at the air shows. You'll be able to see me. If it's too hot, I'll have the sky blue uh, Plain Talking UK t-shirt on. So just come and give me a shake. Come and give me a hello. Be nice to uh, to. Hear, uh, or, hear or speak to someone who listens to the show uh, at an air show. And uh, also, don't forget, you can uh, contact us via our website at www.plaintalkinguk.com. That's plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. You can contact us uh, there via the Contact Us tab on, that, uh, on the homepage there and send us an email. Follow us on Facebook, uh, just search for Plain Talking UK. You'll find us on Facebook, and uh, also you can follow us on Twitter as well. We're on Twitter. Uh, follow us on there, Plain Talking UK. So that's where we're going to bring episode number 31 to a close. 
and uh, we're going to come back to you next week, uh, hopefully with some interviews from Duxford that I'll hopefully get this weekend. And we're going to come back to you with the usual news and uh, stuff from all around the world as we do every week. So from me, Carlos, it's a... I need to go to sleep. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, happy... Uh, yeah, happy day. I've had a good day today. Good. And from you, Simon? Yeah, it's uh, always an eye to the skies, no matter what the weather, um, because you could always find a break in the cloud uh, to spot an aircraft. So um, just enjoy uh, the last few uh, weeks of the air show circuit, and uh, we'll still be bringing you plenty of uh, live interviews throughout the uh, winter months, I'm sure. So uh, you take care and enjoy the rest of the air show season. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.